Well, I am taking a little break from recording my video sermons, planning to just record audio for sermons for a little while. Uh, and uh, But my very first Sunday of doing that, I sort of forgot to hit record. Um, was just focused on a number of other things. So I'm recording this a little bit uh, a couple of days later. Um, now, this was an interesting Sunday because it is Holy Humor Sunday. Also called Hilarity Sunday, God's Laughter Sunday, Bright Sunday, or Holy Fools Sunday. Um, also, a lot of pastors call it Low Attendance Sunday because it's Sunday after Easter and people don't tend to show up for church as well. But but there's a, a tradition of this Holy Humor Sunday. Uh, it comes out of a number of different things, but in the 15th century in Bavaria, the churches used to celebrate the Sunday after Easter as Rises Pascalis, I don't, I don't know how you say that, uh, God's joke, or the Easter laugh. Priests would deliberately include, deliberately include stories and jokes in their sermons in an attempt to make their faithful laugh. After the service, people would gather together to play practical jokes and tell funny stories. I wonder what practical jokes looked like in the 15th century. After the service, people would gather to play, play these jokes and then... It, um, but it was a way of, of sort of celebrating Easter, that uh, the resurrection of Christ is the supreme choke that God played on Satan by raising Jesus from the dead, that Jesus gets the last laugh on Satan, on sin, and uh, on evil. Now, the observance of Rises Paschalis was officially outlawed by Pope Clement Tenth in the 17th century, meaning this got so popular and crazy that the Pope outlawed it. <clears throat> On the ortho- in the Orthodox tradition, people would gather for Easter Monday to tell jokes, funny stories, to dance and eat together to sort of celebrate in a similar way. Uh, so this is the first time we've ever as a church and I've ever as a pastor done Holy Humor Sunday. So I'm going to start out with some jokes. Um, now, I'm recording this in my office on Tuesday morning, so I don't know how these jokes are going to go, and uh, but but we're going to go for them anyway. The ship was sinking. The captain called out, Is there anyone here that knows how to pray? One man stepped forward and said, Captain, I know how to pray. I'm a deacon in my Presbyterian church. Good, said the captain. You pray. The rest of us will put on life preservers. We're one short. The children were lined up for a, for a Presbyterian potluck. The head of the table was a large tray of apples, and one of the uh, the the, uh, uh, the sort of kitchen ladies we all have in our churches um, uh, had put a note on the apple tray that said, "Take one. God is watching." Moving along to the line, a, a little girl came to a big table of cookies. She then quickly left the line, ran down the hallway to the nursery, and came back with a sign of her own that says, Take all the cookies you want. God is watching the apples. A man walks into a church. He's a visitor, and it's his first time. It's a beautiful morning, so he's excited. Comes in, greets everyone with enthusiasm with a big good morning and a a firm, shaking handshake. Uh, When the service starts, he sings the hymns at the top of his lungs in spite of the funny looks that he gives. During the greeting time, he hugs people, ignoring their offer of a polite but somewhat distant handshake. 
He laughs loudly at the sermon and even uh, shouts an amen or two. After the service, a few people come to tell him that maybe this is not the right place for him. They suggest he might be more comfortable worshiping somewhere else. The man leaves the building dejected and feeling rejected. He goes out and sits on the stairs. And, and before long, somebody has come up beside him and put his arm around him. He looks over to see that it's Jesus. Jesus looks him right in the eye and says, Don't feel bad. I've been trying to get into that church for years. Why don't you ever see elephants hiding in trees? Because they are very good at it. That one takes a minute. A bagpiper who played many gigs for a funeral director was asked to play for the, at the graveside for a homeless man. The, the problem was it was in the hills of West Virginia. So he got totally lost trying to find this place. And um, as a typical man, wouldn't stop for directions. He finally arrives an hour late and sees that the funeral guys have evidently gone and the hearse is nowhere in sight. He sees a digger crew at the end of the cemetery, at the edge of the cemetery, that have stopped their digging and are sort of eating lunch. He rushes over, sort of quickly apologizes, and then begins to play his bagpipes. He plays the most beautiful rendition of Amazing Grace. And the, the guys who were doing the digging take their hats off and they, their tears are coming to their eyes. And he, he plays with all the soul, trying to make up for the way he was so late in missing this guy's service. They all wept there together. And as he finished, there was a stillness on the graveyard. As he goes back to his car, feeling like he did what he was called to do, he hears one of the workers say, I have never seen anything like that before. And I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. Here's a quick hitter for you. A dyslexic man walks into a brawl. Now, at church, not everyone got that joke. It took a little time. In fact, one lady even told me that she didn't get that joke till about one in the afternoon and then started laughing. But a dyslexic man walks into a brawl. Pope John Paul II dies. He meets God in heaven, and God says, since you did such an outstanding job as Pope and were such a godly man, you name anything that you want on earth, and I'll do it. And John Paul said, you know, I've always thought that if the world was more connected, that uh, people would care more about what goes on in other parts of the world. So, so I wish there was a bridge between Africa and Europe and Africa and North America and South America and Europe so that people could be connected and, and feel the sense of unity. God said, well, you know, th that is a ton of work. Like that's a ton of metal. You have to structure it so it can handle the wind. It's on the ocean. So that's just a lot to ask for. Like, do you have another wish? Pope John Paul thought about it and said, you know, we have the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church and the Orthodox Church. And then the Protestants have like Presbyterians and Methodists and Lutherans. And then the Presbyterians have all kinds of different Presbyterians and the Methodists have all kinds of different Methodists. He said, I just wish everyone would be together. There would be unity among the, uh, the Christians, that we would all come together as one people. And God thinks about it for a bit and says, now, how many lanes did you want on those bridges? Two or four?
Man walks into a bank, pulls out a gun, and tells the teller to give him all the money in the drawers. He gets a bag of cash and goes to the first person in line and says, and what did you see? And the, the, the first person in line says, well, you know, I saw you. You're not wearing a mask. I, I know exactly what you look like. I'm going to tell the police. You're going to go to jail. And bang, he shoots the guy right in the stomach. He goes to the second guy in line says, what did you see? This man, a little more hesitant because he knows what's coming, says, you know, I, I saw you. It's still, he's kind of finding the bravery. I, I saw your face. I'm going to tell the police what you look like. And bang, shoots him in the stomach. Goes the third guy in line and says, then what did you see? And the guy said, well, I didn't see anything. But my mother-in-law is standing right over there, and she saw the whole thing. She's going to tell the police what you look like. A priest, a minister, and a rabbi want to see who's the best at their job. So each one goes in the woods to find a bear to try to convert it. Later, they all get together to share about their experience. The priest said, well, when I found the bear... Uh, it, it didn't go well at first. He didn't want to listen to me, but I, I sprinkled him with holy water, read him the catechism, and then he took his first communion. The minister said, well, I found a bear by a stream, preached God's holy word to him. He, he was hesitant at first, but I gave a really good doctrinal sermon, and finally he came around. He was baptized and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Then they both looked down at the rabbi who was lying on the floor with casts and bruises everywhere. He said, actually, my experience started out pretty well. I just think maybe I should not have started so early with circumcision. Well, I don't know how those did on the audio, but um, we had some fun with jokes and had a bulletin full of comics uh, for Sunday to celebrate the humor of God. God, I think, is funny. Uh, the God who creates aardvarks, pufferfish, naked mole rats, giraffes, platypus, uh, which I'm not quite sure what the plural of platypus is, but, you know, God does funny things. In, this, in the Bible, lots of funny things happen. And so I think we read it too seriously. We miss out on the humor of a big fish swallowing a guy and a talking donkey. I love the story of, of Eutychus, I don't know if you remember the story of Eutychus, but in the book of Acts, Eutychus is sitting on a second-story window listening to Paul preach late into the night. And uh, Paul goes so late that Eutychus falls asleep, falls out of the window, and, and falls down to the ground, and everyone presumes that he's dead. So Paul stops preaching, goes down, and the text says he laid on top of Eutychus. Then he declared he wasn't dead, went back up and finished preaching. I love that story, and I think it's how I'm going to start handling people who sleep during my sermons. I'm just going to get out of the pulpit, go lay down on top of them, see if they have any life in them, declare them alive or dead, and then go finish my sermon. It's a great story you should read later in Genesis 18, where uh, some angels come and see Isaac, and um, come and see Abram, and... uh, they tell Abram that his wife is going to be pregnant, but his wife at this point can't get pregnant. And so Elizabeth laughs at them and laughs at the idea. And they accuse her of laughing. She lies about it. So they end up naming their son, Laughter, Isaac. I think Jesus is just really funny. 
Um, you know, the, the idea of the blind leading the blind. Oh, that's that's like a, a Three Stooges sketch in the making. The camel going through the eye of the needle. Now, I've heard an interpretation of that where there was a gate that was the eye of the needle and camels could get through if they got on their knees. But I have never seen any historical evidence for that. I think it is humorous just to think about a camel going through this little eye of the needle. I think people laughed at this. The idea of a log, you got a log sticking out of your eye and there's a speck in somebody else's eye and you're trying to critique them. He calls Peter the rock, which is actually a pun on Peter's name. But also a good jab at Peter, who I don't think was not was very rocky. I think he was a little more of a pebble. I mean, I think Jesus was much more God-spelled than King of Kings. Much more fun. And, and In fact, he was known as a drunkard and a glutton, the Gospels tell us. Because he was always having fun. And he was always with people. Did you know in the Bible, God laughs. In the Psalms, several times, God, uh, God's enemies make plans and God laughs of their plans. And I think we are made in the image of God. We are encouraged to be joyful. We are bearers of God's image. And as such, we are creative, but we are also to be humorous, to enjoy. Laughter and joy acknowledges our faith in God. Proverbs 17.22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I mean, uh, Psychology Today put out an article about laughter. It said it's one of the distinguishing features of the human beings, the most contagious of all emotional experiences. It's good for health. It releases tension, lowers anxiety, boosts the immune system, and aids in circulation. In other words, science is catching up with what the Proverbs already told us, which is that a joyful heart is good medicine. First Thessalonians says, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And when in Galatians 5, starting in verse 22, Paul gives the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So Paul says, if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, these are the, th the fruit. This is what we should all be able to notice on the outside if the Spirit is at work in you on the inside. And he starts with love. I don't know that there's a lot to be said about the order, but I think the first couple are important. Because he has to start with love. Faith, hope, and love abide all three, but, but he says the greatest of these is love. But he puts joy next. Joy. That, that if, if, if you're a person with the Holy Spirit at work in your life, you should, be, you should have joy. You should smile. You should laugh. So, so why is it that sometimes Christians aren't like that? I mean, sometimes, it, it, sometimes there are blockers, right? There's sometimes where there are things robbing you of your joy. There's sometimes where there's sort of joy-limiting beliefs where uh, you believe you're supposed to be serious. You believe that you're supposed to, you know, uh, be serious when you when you do certain things. The laughter and joy is for children. It's silly. And churches can be like that. I've noticed in, in uh, Northminster here that we, this church has so much fun um, in the coffee hour. And when we're standing around outside or when we're at a dinner. But then when we come into church, sometimes we, we like have to turn on our seriousness. Like we're, we're, now we need to be reverent. And we need to leave our joy at the door. I, I do not think reverence 
and joy are the opposite things. Some of the most the things I'm most reverent about are the things I, I want to laugh about and enjoy the most. And I find spiritually, if I can't laugh and I can't smile and I can't find joy, it's normally a sign that there's a problem. There's normally something something I need to do business with when I can't find that joy. And I think it is just flat out blasphemous that the church has to be serious all the time. doesn't mean we, we're irreverent, but, but it does mean that we have joy. And sometimes I have felt like our church is more like a church when we're eating than when we're in church. And uh, I've worked really hard to, to, try to try to push us a little bit in that way, very intentionally, including a Holy Humor Sunday and a circumcision joke. So uh, you can see my efforts here. And, and so this is the Sunday after Easter. Easter reminds us that God has the last laugh. God is not intimidated by the face of his enemies, and he's not intimidated by ours either. That God overcomes all the barriers to his plan, and that God can overcome any barriers in your life. And so when you smile, and when you laugh, and when you find joy, you're actually trusting in God. Like, I trust you, God, enough to find joy and brightness and smile to laugh at myself and to laugh at my circumstances because I know in the end you're going to come out on top. We join with our ancestors, Abraham and Sarah, that nothing is impossible with God. The resurrection is the ultimate expression of this. And let me end with a quote by theologian G.K. Chesterton. And when he explained how important laughter is to people of faith, he said, The secret of life lies in laughter and humility. Laughter has something in common with the ancient words of faith and inspiration. I love this right here. It unfreezes pride and unwinds secrecy. It makes people forget themselves in the presence of something or someone greater than themselves. So on this week after Holy Humor Sunday, may you find some joy and some rejoicing in your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.